This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. There were four of us new guy Navy SEALs out there patrolling the scorching desert that day. When I say it was hot, I mean Biloxi Blues, Africa hot. SEALs trained in the most realistic conditions, and our southwestern American desert was nearly identical to the open-air oven terrain we would later face in Iraq. 9-11 was still a couple of years away. We didn't know yet how relevant this training would be. Our squad was moving stealthily up the wadi, the washed-out gully, waiting for the inevitable explosions and gunfire that would signal the start of our, quote, practical exam on a training exercise. In the weeks before, we had conducted countless iterations of the same IADs, or immediate action drills, that would now be tested under simulated fire conditions. We're wearing Miles gear. That's a sophisticated military-grade laser tag equipment, basically. At the firearm piece of the gear, it connected to the muzzles of our M4 rifles with a blank fire adapter, or BFA, that allowed the notional enemy to fire a laser beam each time a blank round went through their weapon. On our torsos and helmets, we wore the sensors that would detect whether we were hit by the laser rounds. One good hit from the enemy's laser gun, and we would be dead. It turned out that two of us would be dead very soon. Because SEAL instructors are famously intolerant for poor performance, they tend to dish out corrective feedback without remorse. Once the contact was initiated, we performed poorly, and to teach us a lesson, they shot me and another guy one right after the other. That left two SEALs standing trying to manage the fight and two SEALs down who had to be picked up and carried. Ski was a guy in my platoon who was built about the same as me, another medium-large type guy. I didn't know how strong he was until it was his job to pick me up and carry me to safety. He reached down with his left non-dominant hand while carrying the rifle with his other, and he threw me over his shoulder. He threw me like a sack of wheat. He began running, and I was blown away because with my gear, I probably weighed over 260 pounds, but he acted as though I wasn't there at all. I was looking back, flying across the wadi, watching the guy behind me try to pick up his dead buddy and struggle up the wadi. It was a dramatic contrast between Ski's raw power, what we call monkey strength in the teams, and the other guy who was just probably used to working out in the gym and doing the right things. This takes me to the concept of this episode. We're talking about here today is body, the human power of the body as compared to mind, heart, and soul. And the body is the foundation that carries everything else, your mind, your heart, your emotional and mental realms your leadership ability. Everything is based on the body. If the body's not in alignment, it will not function well. You won't function well in your heart and mind. We have an acronym inside the impact concepts that is called SEAT, sleep, eat, and train. I want to point out that this is a very relevant order too, because sleep is the kind of exercise you can give yourself without any actual dedication of time at the gym or equipment or anything. You just lay down and stop being awake for a while. That is super healthy and super important for your recovery. Eating or hydration and nutrition are critical too because you can't out-train a crappy diet. And finally, train. Sleep, eat, and train. That's the first of our three points I want to point out today. The other one, as I said, is the foundation of these powers. Anything in the body, mind, heart, and soul and the done zone or your leadership ability is based on the body. If you don't have the body aligned right, you're not going to function well because everything, point three, is connected. 
your body, your mind, your heart, and your soul affect the others. Your judgment, your ethical zone of the done zone or your leadership ability is directly connected to your ability to make good judgments based on the mind. Is your mind functioning? If your tooth hurts, your mind's not going to work well. You've probably had that toothache and they don't make very good decisions around the office or the family. Same thing with the emotion. If you have a case of the screw it's because you feel terrible because you've had a bad day with your partner or a bad day with the boss, you may blow off the workout. That reduces your ability with the workout. The reason I'm talking about Ski and how he threw me over his shoulder like a bag of wheat is because although I have nothing against anybody who works out for appearance, I think it's a lot more effective and a lot more worthwhile to train for function, to train to be effective, to have that monkey strength. Working out to look good is often done in ways that harm the body. They harm your actual health. Look at the extreme examples of steroids and other things that will shrink certain parts of a guy's body, even as they increase the size of his biceps. That is not healthy. That is not a functional life. Working out to train to be good rather than to look good has the added benefit of looking good too. So you get a twofer. It's a win-win. Train to be good. Train like Ski did. And that day was... Ski was actually a subordinate of mine in the platoon, but he taught me a lesson. He led me that day by showing me, by example, how to be strong, how to be fit, how to be functionally able. And that brings me to my very special guest today. I'm extremely, extremely glad to bring aboard Erwan LaCour, who is the founder of MoveNat and the author of The Practice of Natural Movement, a book I'm honored to have signed by the author. And we're going to be unpacking some ideas today from this literal icon of body and mind connection of the understanding of how to manage the body in natural ways. And it goes back to the sleep, eat, and train. Rest and nutrition are equally important. Erwan, thank you so much for coming aboard today. Rob, thank you so much to you for having me. And uh, it's my honor as well to be here. And thanks for your service. Thanks for the story that you just shared. Always inspiring. My service has always been my privilege, and I thank you and everybody else for the chance to do it, honestly. We, we who do serve will never stop. Once it's in the heart, it's, it becomes a lifelong thing, and I hope I can kick the bucket 50 years from now, get at least triple digits, and keep on making a difference as you do on a daily basis. Let me go back to, I mentioned the practice of natural movement. You have a second book in the works now. Do you have a working title or a theme for that? Uh, I don't. I don't have uh, no. Not yet. I, I wish uh, I could tell you. Uh, it may be breathful work. Um, so this new work I'm doing, this new method that I've uh, designed, uh, it's in fact um, a meditation uh, that that is based on breath holding. So you want to hold your breath, which causes a, a stress naturally, and while it is very easy to to self-regulate to down-regulate when you can breathe that's the idea of meditation finding center finding stillness well when you try to do that as you hold your breath for a prolonged time it it becomes very very challenging quite quickly but the the advantage of that is that then it gives you uh, also a greater ability to to find that center so that's the idea the main idea behind this uh this method it's basically a survival experience, isn't it? Because the lizard brain is telling you, you're going to die, sucker. The body knows when it needs air or water or safety from the saber-toothed tiger. And it says, hey, let's get some air in there now. So you're actually wrestling with this primitive resistance to holding your breath farther. Yeah, when uh, when a person holds their breath, it's very quickly, uh, quickly 
becomes uncomfortable, unpleasant as a physical feedback, but also as an emotional response and also a mental response. Emotionally, emotionally we start to become quickly uh, agitated, mentally agitated as well and negative. It's quickly. Why? And because um, the our primal brain, which you just uh, mentioned, is telling us, if you keep doing that, you're in danger. You're going to die. There's no external threat. There's not a lion ready to, to jump on you. Um, there's not uh, anything happening outside of you, just not exhaling anymore. And that alone is a threat to your body and it's the most ancient threat. It's a, the fear of asphyxiation, of hypoxia, lacking oxygen. In the body, the body um, in the, the brainstem, the respiratory centers, will not pick um, an issue with oxygen first. They'll pick an issue with the rising level of carbon dioxide, CO2, in your blood. The rising level, since you're not exhaling, you're not releasing that carbon dioxide, which is created by just being alive. Basic metabolism implies that we burn oxygen so that we can create energy and maintain the energy system which we are. So CO2 is constantly produced, but it is also constantly released. So when you hold your breath, it's not released, it stays in you. And you're going to feel it right away because it's going to change the biochemistry of your blood. And it's going to be picked by your reptilian brain, the brainstem, which is a little thing just at the top of the spinal cord. And it, it doesn't have any emotion about it or thought about it. It just senses it. And now you have that information is picked up by your emotional brain, the limbic brain. And that's when you start to be like, oh, my God, that rising level of CO2 in my blood, if it keeps going, that means clearly I'm not ventilating anymore. If I'm not ventilating, next problem won't be CO2. It will be lack of oxygen. So our body does not think about that. There's no rational consideration about that. It's It's a sensing thing. Then it becomes an emotional response. And finally, it hits our conscious mind where we're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is horrible. Let me breathe again. All right. And so you create quickly a a big concern, a state of alarm, state of panic, even a state of negativity. How do you downregulate that? How, How can you remain composed when your body, your physiology is start to knock at the door and then quickly bangs at the door, be like, open that door and breathe again? Mm-hmm. What you're describing is exactly what I touched on briefly about the interconnectedness of the physical, mental, emotional aspects. Because when the unconscious says we need air or we're in danger, that rattles the brain, that mentally dislodges your flow of rational thought. It it it, it disrupts it. Uh, when we're emotionally upset in a panic situation, you know, seals were were conditioned to incredibly dangerous situations, and that conditioning creates a healthy response, an effective response. I've been in countless emergencies, like near car crashes, where I just keep my cool. And in fact, I got yelled at one time by my 
uh, <clears throat> former partner when I was in a three car totaling experience. And all I said on the phone before, as I was having a call about picking up milk and eggs or whatever on the way home, and then I saw a kid, inexperienced driver flying at me and I responded appropriately in, in a calm state. And he hit me, but at a, a quartered angle that didn't destroy me as well as the car. And that caromed me off into another car 30 or 40 feet away, which destroyed that car. And all I said before that all happened was, hang on a second on the phone, because I saw it unfolding. It's almost a matrix experience. I said, hang on a second. And the next thing you know, the other end of the phone heard crash, bang, squeal, crash, bang, bang, and silence. And uh, she was near hysterical. What the hell's going on? In the meantime, after we stopped moving, I looked at my son in the seat next to me and said, are you okay? He's like, yeah. I looked at the girl in the car we crashed into. She was had big plate-like eyes staring at me. And she's. I gave her a thumbs up. You okay? She's like, uh-huh, shaky, nodding. And I got out of the car and went to see the kid that hit me. I said, are you okay? It was like just completely flatlined as far as panic. The idea of, of having conditioning to that point is that when we panic in the ordinary sense of it, our thinking goes downhill fast. And that means our judgment goes off downhill fast. And that means we make crappy decisions. And that means that the worst outcomes are more likely than the, than the, than the best outcomes, which is exactly what happened to us. I, I managed the car the best I possibly could in the circumstance. We still had a massive collision. But this goes right back to what you're saying. What I'm hearing you say here is something that I would like to see incorporated into the teams. We bring this kind of meditative, physical, mental, emotional conditioning into the teams and guys will automatically be leveling up in their responsibilities. They'll be, they'll be, it won't take a career like mine to get smart and to be able to respond effectively. It can accelerate the process. Yes. I think that also there's a part of naturalness uh, in the sense that uh, some people have this ability to remain composed like you do. Um, it's not acquired it's, or it's partly acquired, but it's also part of their nature. I know that, well, I've never been like you on battlefields. I've been in a, in a number of crashes, car crashes, um, uh, all kind of, and uh, I've always responded very calmly, actually. Uh, you know, turn off the engine, you know, check out the body, it's things like that. Check out other people right away, see if there's not, you know, all is good or do we need to move. So um, it's partly um, a nature. It's partly... Uh, part of a person's nervous system, right? It's own uh, patterns of responding to external events. But what you said, um, um, I, I like it because could this train um, special forces to operate better? Um, this, this would be my, my, my consideration. We expect a special operator to operate their mind properly and efficiently under stress stress that is external. Okay. One of the aspects of that is to be able to place the, the individual in those stressful situations. Number one, to see how they respond, the calmer, the people who respond the, the, in the calmest way will be the one selected, not the one who freak out right away. And then they are pushed further in even more stressful situations. Now then to teach them how to um, respond specifically in the sense of, okay, this is the context. So now this is in the water. Now this is in the air. Now this is in the dark. Now this is in the cold. Now this is... But the foundation is the mind. We 
we imagine that it's there. Like the, the individual is mentally strong, composed, reliable. But it wouldn't be um, a surprise that a training of the mind could be done without that interaction with external variables. Then place the individual to face those external variables that are stressful. In other words, if you hold your breath, you create a self-induced stress. It's nobody else that makes you hold your breath. You do it to yourself. And you do it, you learn to create a stress to teach yourself to regulate it. If you have that foundation even stronger, even like, you know, more, more strong, more ingrained in the sense of neurophysiological adaptations. So literally, it's a biological uh, adaptation in the brain matter. And if we could have that, would that help operate even better than while interacting with those stressful uh, contexts and variables outside of us? I'm not saying it would. I let's say I hypothesis. Uh, I have a hypothesis that it could, that it might. I think it's inevitable. I think any yeah. conditioning prepares whatever we're training. We talk right. about another impact rule of right. train daily, align always. TDAA, tada, the hashtag tada, like a magic trick. But training daily and aligning to the circumstances. If you have a twenty-hour workday and you have four hours to sleep before the next one it's appropriate to get the sleep, even if it means blowing off your workout that day mm -hmm. so that you can be functional the next day and get your get a better workout in and not be degrading. I, I'm, I'm a person who lived in very serious sleep deprivation for many decades. I'm 55 now and didn't start sleeping until about five years ago. Drove myself three, four hours a night and kept going, drinking a lot of coffee. But the sleep is first, as I put it, sleep, eat, and train because it's free and it's right there. <laughs> and it's an easy way to restore the body and, and be ready for what's coming next, which is what we're talking about, preparation. I think that training the body, training the mind, training the heart, looking at having calm, challenging conversations with somebody, something you don't want to have to confront, but it's mm -hmm. a very powerful tool for becoming emotionally resilient to train that part, to align to the circumstances. And I think that by our training the operators in the internal threat, process, it inevitably has to spill over into being more able to manage. It wouldn't be for the specific threats, the the enemy coming at him with a knife or falling off a cliff, uh, but it would be a form of universal conditioning to, st to stress, which is applicable to all of the circumstances. I've always talked to people as I do training with consulting, I talk about, I won't make you ready for each event. I won't make you ready for a car crash and a hostile threat and falling off a cliff, but I will make you ready for anything by preparing that underlying conditioning of right. response to threat like exactly. you're describing. Exactly. So uh, you want to be healthy physically, physiologically, and you want also to be healthy uh, neurologically. So the, the state of your nervous system. Obviously, a, a special operator needs to be not only strong and capable and healthy, in their body, they also need a very strong nervous system, a very strong nervous system. Who doesn't want a strong and capable and healthy body or needs it? And who doesn't need 
a nervous system that is as strong as possible, but also as healthy and balanced as possible. We're not just talking about the willpower. We're talking about also emotionally balanced and healthy and at ease in life. So those are the people who are confronted to extreme um, situations or context, contextual situations, um, obviously, like the SEALs, must have all of that. But just because you're a civilian doesn't mean that, oh, well, it's okay if you're not physiologically and neurologically healthy, obviously, um, there are, uh, there's a surge of uh, mental health issues in our society. Uh, so the solutions that, um, uh, that are available, uh, should be available for, for everybody. Everybody needs that. Everybody is, um, so to begin with, who are we? as human beings, regardless of what we look like, our age, our gender, our ethnicity, and our background, our status, all these considerations. What is a human being? Well, we're a biological unit. We're one unit of biology that belongs to the human species. So regardless of all the differences, there's everything that makes us just exactly the same, a human being. That human being, we can look at the consciousness, we can look at the mind of the person, their heart, their soul, and definitely we are a mind, a heart, and a soul. But there's a reason why we have a body. And as a matter of fact, consciousness itself, we do not know if it can or cannot exist without that body. When somebody pushes their breath holding limit to the edge, to the end, there is a point where in the absence of sufficient oxygen in the brain, you pass out. Consciousness is gone. No more consciousness. It's not like, well, if you hold your breath that long and then you're brain cannot operate anymore because it doesn't have sufficient energy to operate itself, then all of a sudden you have an out-of-the-body experience, you float above your body and you still think and you still see and you still basically can do all the things that you can do in your body, just that you're not in your body anymore. It doesn't happen. You're just out. And only you're out, but if you're not revived, then you're dead. No more consciousness for you unless, and that's a where belief comes into play unless there is another world, there is another dimension, there is another part of ourselves. But as long as we are like this, embodied, incarnated, we respond to the needs and the principles and the rules of the body. And that's the first level of acknowledgement is that unless you care for your body, for what he needs for its well-being, there will be a price to pay not just in terms of health, of physical health, of the way you feel in your body, what you can do, what you cannot do. There will be a price to pay in the way you feel at an emotional and mental level. If you lack sleep, you will pay a price. If you are under stress all the time, you can never 
get away from stress, there will be a price. If you don't eat proper food, you lack specific nutrients because your 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 food is poor. Same thing. If you don't move enough, if you sit all day, same thing. It's not just a matter of strength. It's a matter of all the fluids that are in your body, hot fluids that move all the time, the blood, the lymph, is going to stagnate and marinate. Basically, you're going to start to swell, right? So if you don't go outside, if you don't receive the sunlight that you need, same thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There, is, there are very clear principles as of what is it that any human being, any biological unit that a human being is, needs a person can reinvent themselves in so many ways. You can change your, your hair. You can change your, uh, your, the way you clothe. You can even you know, change the, where you live, the kind of job you, you work, all these things. You can reinvent you in so, so many ways. You cannot reinvent yourself in the sense of your biology. Nobody can. And whenever anyone tries... Again, they pay a price. This is not because of some moral judgment. It's just because of a, of a law of nature. So it's a good start because the more you can make yourself thrive physically, this is not being a health nut. This is not uh, being vain or shallow. It's not about the way you look. It's about the way you feel and the way you perform your levels of biological energy you are every single one of us we are a system of energy systems an energy system made of energy systems within that energy system life a good life is going to be about practicing those energies to, to understand them, to respect those needs, and to find the balance. Every time we are off balance, then we feel it. And what do we want? Regulation. So what is it that we sometimes will breathe better or, or more, or that we're like, oh, I'm going to go on a walk, or I'm going to take a nap, or I'm going to uh, eat food, or I'm going to turn up the, the, the heat or the air conditioning. All these are needs for regulation. We're trying to find a balance. If you can find that balance in a healthy way, that's good. If you have taught yourself to find that balance with coping mechanisms, you're hurting yourself. Like the coffee I drank to be able to function more hours in a day than I needed to. If I'd been on a balanced lifestyle, that chemical wouldn't have been necessary to give me the extra couple of hours. Yes. So... Uh, molecules, they do matter. They do matter because we're all made of molecules. Um, but when you become uh, dependent on a given molecule or a cocktail of molecules, whatever they are, for some it's coffee, others it's like uh, some energy drinks or some medication. When you start becoming dependent on external molecules to find your balance. That's the sign that you are off balance and that you have not harnessed the skill or the understanding and the knowledge of knowing yourself enough so that you can regulate yourself 
without the need for all of these molecules. And, and, and when we look at it, most of those molecules, most of those products that are taken, that it is coffee, caffeine, energy drinks, anxiolytics, um, um, antidepressants, all of those, they're typically mood enhancers. They regulate, it's not about regulating your body, it's regulating your nervous system. People have, when I say people, it's, it's an observation, not a judgment. A lot of people are in a constant state of mental agitation. And uh, it's like an inflamed, chronically inflamed nervous system. A nervous system that never finds its balance. The nervous system cannot find a switch off. There is no switch off for the nervous system. The nervous system, if you switch it off, you're dead. It's supposed to upregulate and downregulate, upregulate, downregulate. It's supposed to regulate itself depending on the situation, depending on what it needs to do. But if it's constantly upregulated, constantly on and on and on and on and on in a state of agitation, it cannot rest. It's like constantly burning instead of like a burning flame. And that's when you become so desperate that you're like, okay, give me the molecules, give me the pills so that I find relief. But because it's external, you haven't taught your nervous system to downregulate on its own. And therefore, you become dependent on the molecules. And so it's a form of that dependence. It's always a form of, of slavery. You mentioned the, the warning sign of, perceiving that, for example, when I drank a lot of coffee to stay awake extra hours, there's a warning sign of perceiving we need that, the external chemicals, molecules, that actually, if we're living, if we're living in awareness, could, could create a, an opportunity to say, now I thought I needed that thing. So instead of going out and taking that thing in, into my body, let me instead start a process of discovering what inside of me will already do that. Mm-hmm. the healthy way, the yeah. self-regulating, the functional way. Yeah. That is a really exciting yeah. area that I'd like to unpack. Yeah. It, it's uh, uh, you know, more hours. <laughs> there's a lot to, there's for sure a lot to say, but also once, you know, once you, you have the insights down, you're like, Oh yeah. Then comes the time of practice, the time of application, making changes, things you need to start doing things you need to stop doing, things you need to keep doing but changing the way you do them or the amount of time or energy that you put in them. That's the application and that's the practice. Paying attention is to pay attention to, okay, I'm going to regulate this. I'm going to regulate that. When you change your diet, what is it? You regulate. When you try to think positively, what are you doing? You're regulating When you tell yourself, I'm going to try to sleep a little better, you're regulating. When you tell yourself, I'm going to exercise, regardless of how you're going to exercise, you are regulating. All life, that biological life that we are, is about regulating. And the life inside of our our mind, of our heart and spirit, that's also regulation. This is an incredible discussion, and it shows how your own path, Erwan, has been uh, over your lifetime. 
discovering more and more evolving, learning, practicing back to the concept of practice, like the second word in your title, the practice of natural movement. Like you said, you have to practice these concepts of self-regulation across the whole organism. I love your term biological unit. I will steal that with credit. We are biological units. We're self-contained little chunks of life that move around and think things and have feelings. And of course, our feelings determine how we think and how we think about things determines our feelings. I want to go back to where you started because in reading the practice of natural movement, I have been really pleased to see certain things that your, for example, your dad, you talked earlier about your dad's, when you were a little, little tiny kid trying to, trying to climb the tree behind dad and dad would not help you. The reason that really jumped out at me is because it's the same thing I did with my own sons (laughs) and my daughter. When they were little, I told them when they were one and two and three years old, they saw a tree and they wanted to climb it. I said, go ahead, knock yourself out, but understand this before you start. Daddy will not help you down. And that simple concept in their mind, daddy will not help you down. I'm not saying I won't help my kids. I'm saying that there are certain things that are not help that we mistake as the human beings, as parents, as bosses, as friends. It's called enabling. When we inadvertently abuse a person effectively, basically neglect their needs, their development, by helping them do things they don't need, like catching a kid before he falls and skins his knee. No, the kid has to skin his knee. That's how he learns. Yep. And when the when I told my children, you can climb as, climb as high as you want in that tree as long as you understand I will not help you down, that snapped a concept into their brains that they should simply be mindful of how high they climb. They looked down. They were thoughtful about it. They said, okay, two feet off the ground is plenty high for me because dad's not going to help me down. You talked about um, that reliance, the self-reliance in the book. I'm right here in the intro, actually. Uh, and you also talked about your own personal sense of direction that was not exactly in line with other people's quoting i questioned every single aspect of what's called quote normal life Mm -hmm. then i met someone who understood the the me don was my dad's age and a charismatic character who was known for being something of a natural nature stuntman stuntman Mm -hmm. um here's a quote i want to absolutely pull out i became a follower of his philosophy and practice while other young people were still studying or starting a career in family living normal lives I was running barefoot in the streets of Paris. I got to say it right because I'm talking to a guy who speaks French. uh, By night, climbing bridges, balancing at great heights, diving in dark and icy waters, wearing only swim trunks, jumping from rooftop to rooftop without safety equipment, practicing Thai boxing moves in forbidden areas of the Paris underground and doing breathing drills at the crack of dawn to draw energy from the elements. And you also talked about intermittent fasting. Can we go back to that part of your life a little bit and how you how you span, because at some point you became the guy that wrote the practice of natural movement. Before that, you became the guy who founded MoveNat, natural movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, really interested because I'm a barefoot runner myself, but I learned about it in a separate path. I recommend Born to Run, and anyone who, anyone who has read Born to Run understands the, uh, the, the barefoot Ted references. Uh, in fact, one I think you were actually featured in another book by the author of Born to Run. Is yes. that correct? Yes, in uh, Natural Born Heroes. Yes, There's exactly. So tell us about this. Yeah. Tell us about this natural primal urge. I mean, were you a kook? Uh, were you simply more in line, more aware, more attuned to what is right? And a lot of people are out there just doing what other people tell them is right. Yeah, there's several considerations that uh, I could share about that. Number one, I believe that... Um, so... Um, <clears throat> 
it's a long line of people for all of us. Each of us, who is that biological unit I'm talking about, we come from a long line of people and we're born with a memory, a collective memory, a specific memory of our lineage, but ultimately it's a collective memory of all mankind and even before we were humans. And so that memory is, has a lot to do with nature because we are made of nature. We, we come from nature. We're made of it because that's why we eat food. That's why we breathe air. We're all made of nature. That's not like a romantic idea, but well, that's amusing. But excuse me, I have a serious, uh, serious job and uh, I wear a tie and a shirt and I shave my beard. Uh, we come from the, that, that primal original world. Okay, so that's, there's a memory of that connection with that world, of the importance of it. It's not, not just an importance for, um, for the mind. It's an importance for your whole life, for reminding yourself that you need nature. Not only you need nature in the form of food, in the form of air, in the form of sunlight, but also in the form of interaction with it, being in nature, and... You are nature, so if you can make your own behaviors more natural, starting with the way you move and where you move, it's probably that you're going to make yourself thrive in terms of health. If you thrive in terms of health, then you will thrive in terms of mental health, in, in, in terms of how you are emotionally. Um, so I had that memory of also like being capable, being strong, being capable, being self-confident. Being observing, being alert, being able to uh, move all night with that food, with that sleep, and then keep going and keep going, pushing limits, um, training the body, training the mind. It wasn't in the military context, but it was some form of special force uh, training in, in spirit, in mindset, in ideas. Like, how capable are you? How strong are you? How resourceful are you? Um, when you are uh, at a height and there's no rope, no harness, nothing, and it starts raining and slippery, can you quiet your mind and believe in yourself, knowing that there's a risk that you could fall and die or hurt yourself extremely badly? So we were frequently in those kind of situations. And there are many ways that one can know themselves, you know, know yourself and you will know the universe and the gods, attending that there will be more than one. Um, but know yourself. How do you know yourself? It's not just by thinking. It's also by placing yourself purposely in situations that will show you not just what you're made of, but what do you want to be made of? How do you choose to respond? Just, for instance, just holding your breath is not going to downregulate you. It's actually going to upregulate you. So what do you want to happen to your mind? What do you want the response to be? And so in order to learn that, you need to place yourself in those situations. And that is a form of training. That is a form of practice. And yeah, probably my, my dad taught me Early on, that um, I had to find that self-reliance, that autonomy. So we are made of others. Nobody is like a self-made man that does not exist. You know, ultimately, we're always there's always somebody, someone, or 
typically many people who have helped you be who you are. Um, so we need that support system. We need that connection, but also to be that biological unit, that unit of life. We need autonomy. And the greater autonomy we can find, the more, the better we can serve the community we belong to. So those are universal principles. It's, it's the same in the teams, the same in any group, in any community that's healthy. People understand that. So make yourself as um, valuable as possible. Not out of uh, ego, not out of pride, not out of, of uh, exclusively self-interest. Make yourself good. And that also has to do with the principles by which you operate not just your mind, but your heart, your soul. Are you on the side of goodness or not? So if you're on the side of goodness, it's goodness in every form. It's not just this or just that. It's a very multidimensional reality. It's not just the body. It's not just the mind. It's not just the heart. Um, it's not just... Um, what you do to make yourself better. It's what you do in service of others. It's not only what you do in service of others. It's what you do in service of self. It's not only what you do in service of self. It's what you do in service of creator, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Getting into alignment with purpose, really. And as they say, you can't pour from an empty vessel. That's why we say that all of this impact work is an inside job, success, healthy relationships, happiness, health itself, it all starts in the self and yes. with the mindset of how do I deal with other than self? Yes. And this harmon yeah. harmonic process. Harmonic, exactly. Because looking at it, there's no inside and outside. This, this. It's the flow. Life is flow. Yes. You mentioned, uh, just to bring that one home, the, the zoo human paradox. A lot of folks know that I went to Africa in 2015 and crossed the Serengeti for National Geographic, and it's called Migrations with You're the M-Y. You're in, in that show. I love that. Apparently. I've never watched it. One day I will. Of course. They, they uh, you know, we crossed 230 miles of Serengeti facing literally crocodiles and alligators, not alligators, uh, hippos and, and uh, lots and lots of lions. But I just believe that if you just keep going, as I, as I urge others, I said, tough will take you far. I said, just have the mind to go farther. And some chose to believe it and some chose not to. But when I came back, I told myself, zoo lion, no more. Because that was after 10 years of softening in the defense contracting and outside of the teams after my retirement. Your chapter one starts with the zoo human predicament. And I love that phrase because we are unconscious of it. I was unconscious that the first 50 years of my life were increasingly zoo human, -y, zoo lion but I became the real lion, the full Rob lion that I, I was always meant to be. As you said, service of creator. I believe we have an, a conscious design. Each is unique and powerful. We need to release that. Mm -hmm. um, and I wish I had two more. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to force you to do two more episodes. And <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to hound you until we do, because this is, this is so powerful. These concepts, not just blowing smoke here. This isn't like, Oh, thanks for coming on. Let's do lunch. Bullshit. This is real. This is life itself. You're describing the characteristics, characteristics of life from the molecular to the flow, to the universal flow, to the integrity of all things together. Uh, 
It's powerful stuff. What do you want to leave the listener with? What what one lesson do you want to leave the listener with? Love yourself. Love yourself. And just like any love story, you do not have a love relationship just because you said, I love you a number of years ago with a bouquet of flowers and a big declaration. Um, you say, I love you because you opened the door, because you smile, because you pay attention, because you spend time, because you uh, care because you feel so what is the relationship that you have with yourself is it a love story is it a relationship of love because if it's not then it's very likely that you keep yourself busy but you may not accept it that truth is that you actually neglect yourself exactly okay to love is one thing and to love on you want to love on yourself mindfully, deliberately. If you do that, then you will ultimately love uh, yourself. So hug yourself. Give yourself a break from how busy you are doing this and that and this and that and this and that and think and think and think and think and think. Give yourself a break sometimes because you deserve it. And what are you going to do with that break? Well, just be, just be, just feel. Just have a moment, just breathe slowly, just rest, just just enjoy being, nothing to do. Just a moment, take that moment often. Um, there's so much energy we spend on doing and it's okay because we all have purpose and that purpose needs to be expressed and there are actions that are necessary. There's no doubt about it. Um, but just... To just be and to just pay attention to how you feel, um, that's, that's one. So um, even like when we, we hear about like being fit or, okay, I'm going to change my diet, I'm going to start exercising, it almost looks like something that you do for some other reason, but to just love yourself, you're not, it's not about punishing oneself. It's not about deprivation. It's about nurturing oneself, nurturing one's health, one's feelings, one's inner world, all of that. So nothing, nobody is going to do it for you. It's a form of empowerment that may involve physical strength, but obviously it goes way beyond physical strength or, or physical health alone. That empowerment is also an emotional empowerment, a spiritual empowerment. And nobody's going to empower you. If you can't right. empower yourself, who will? That's also in the book. It's loving the entire biological unit. Yeah. All of the aspects of it. Right. So pay more attention. Pay attention to you more in that sense, in that sense of deeper within. I want everybody who hears this to find you. How does that happen? How do they get involved with you, with MoveNet? I'm a level two MoveNet 
instructor, I want to throw that out there. Thanks to Eric Brown. Way to go, Frogman. And Danny, Danny's going to have to make me a level three. We'll get to that next. But how do people get involved with everything you're doing? How do they find you? So there's a website called MoveNat. It spells M-O-V-N-A-T, M-O-V-N-A-T. It's a, it's a made-up name, okay? It goes for moving naturally, a natural movement, moving in nature. That was the original idea. And by extension, it's obviously a, a lifestyle. But uh, the website is MoveNat.com, M-O-V-N-A-T.com. And uh, as for my breath, whole work, meditation, it's currently on another website called naturalmovement.com. And soon it will be on breathfulwork.com. Fantastic. I know people are going to follow up on that and, and look in. And we're going to keep you on the short leash for future discussions about this. Thank you. I can't say it strongly enough. Merci beaucoup. It's like an incredible experience to have this. And you're opening, like I said, opening the door for the next episode on Mind. As we dive deeper on those things, following with emotional, you're a fantastic guest, Bob. And I can I can refill your your heart and your your purpose, and uh, it can be felt. And thank you so much for having me on your show. It's really an honor. Tremendous privilege for us. Thank you so much, Arwan. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.